Welcome to this episode of Tales from the Fog. I'm your host, Casey, and with me once again is the amazing and awesome Veronica. How are you doing? Aw, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. Anything new going on in the world of Veronica? <laughs> it's such a it's such a sad, sad world. Um, last week, I had my, well, technically my first stunt audition. Because the first one was by video and it wasn't, it was a series of stunts put together. It wasn't really an audition in itself. Yeah. So this one was for a company called Action Horizons and they're responsible for all of the um, stunt shows and things at Universal Studios. So, um, the Waterworld show, the special effects show, the Raptors. I think they also do the Transformers with the Stilt Walkers. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent positive, but I think that they're involved in that. Um, yeah, they had, they got that contract a couple of years ago. So they're responsible for, um, writing the shows, hiring the entertainment and everything like that. So they have some new shows coming up for 2017. And this was their annual, um, cattle call for new talent. And they were casting for a couple of their shows. And so I went and checked it out. Uh, my mentor is a member of the, of that group already. So he said, you know, this is a good idea. Go check them out you know, meet some people, see what it's like to go mm-hmm. into a stunt audition. So I went and I did my best and I got cut, but I expected to be cut. It, you know, I wasn't too, <laughs> I wasn't really heartbroken that I got yeah. cut because, you know, I'm still really early in this journey, but it was a lot of fun. It was very hard work. It was a series of minute long, horrible, horrible things <laughs> that nobody should ever do. And it wasn't that bad. I'm sure it was easy for some, but it yeah. was a challenge for me. But it was a lot of fun, and I was very sore the next day, and I had a blast. That sounds so, fun. It was a lot of fun, and it was really motivating to continue to practice and and just get get better, get stronger. One of the things they had us do is uh, pull ups, and that was the thing that I'm the worst at. Me and anyone too. who like who has seen me in person can understand why. So <laughs> I got to work on on that on some upper body strength and slendering down the lower half. Yeah, <laughs> would be ideal. But so yeah, that's that's pretty much the latest and the greatest. I think. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's new with you, Mister Casey? Oh, nothing really. Just been working on some music. For secret projects. And secret projects. And, um, yeah, that's about it for me. Nothing I can talk about yet, unfortunately. Which is too bad because every time I've come home from work, you've been in front of your computer with some squiggly line wave file. In, not a wave <laughs> file, but, you know, like the, it yeah. looks like a Christmas tree. The lights across the screen. If anyone who's ever done audio editing knows what I'm talking about. But that's on the screen, and Casey's sitting there, and he's working really hard. And I'm like, hey, Casey. And he like doesn't say anything. He's <laughs> like, I'm busy. He's got his headphones on. So he's very hard at work on something that you, the audience, will know about here pretty soon. Hopefully. Well, hopefully yeah. we'll be able to talk about it soon. Hopefully we'll be able to release some little bits. Once things are announced officially, then we'll yeah. be able to start dropping some 
some Easter eggs here and there about what's going to happen, but rest assured it's going to be good. Yeah. So on this episode, I thought maybe we could do a little bit of a time traveling episode and go back to 2010 because I did a really epic kind of plane hopping trip, I guess you could say. It wasn't a road trip because I took planes, but uh, I flew back to Orlando in 2010 to do Horror Nights. And then from after Horror Nights, I actually flew up to Virginia to do a farm haunt. And then I flew back down to Orlando for a few days and stayed in Tampa and did Bush Gardens Hollow Screams and a couple other things in the area and then flew home. So it was a busy like week and a half of a lot of airplane rides. That sounds like a great week and a half. Yeah, it was really cool. But today what I want to talk about is uh, Bush Gardens Tampa, their Hollow Scream event. Okay. Um, so this is back in 2010, but a lot of these, a lot of the stuff they do is the same. Right. Um, so it's still kind of pertinent to what they're currently doing. Uh, and we can talk about, you know, what it's like to go there. And it's really awesome event. And the parallels to Not Scary Farm are really close because right up the freeway in Orlando is Halloween Horror Nights, which is exactly the same competition that Not Scary has. Interesting. Uh, so the parallels are really close and, and it's really interesting because, uh, Bush Gardens kind of takes the same approach as Knots and obviously Horror Nights has their Horror Night thing going on. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about Horror Nights Orlando on another podcast because that's going to take a while to talk about. <laughs> Good. Cause I have questions. Yeah. Um, so back in 2010, the cool thing, and this, they still do this today, Bush Gardens Hollow Scream, both their Williamsburg and the Tampa, they do this thing, which I kind of wish Knotts would do because it really freshens the event every single year is they come up with a theme that goes throughout the, the whole park. So the year that I went was called revenge rocks. And the whole backstory is that there's this punk band called my ex (laughs) and and she was in a band with her ex-boyfriend who she caught in bed with another woman. Whoops. And she killed him. And, like you do. Yeah, like you do. And now what happens is she and her bandmates, um, every time that there's a concert, she lures young men backstage and cuts off their ring fingers using her guitar strings. So oh, that's my God. the whole kind of backstory of this band, right? But the cool thing is, is it's not just like, this is the icon for the haunt. Here's like a small little scare zone featuring this. So what they do is they had an entire haunted attraction based on them. And the whole point of the haunted attraction was you were going to their concert. You go backstage and, you know, it's it had a very kind of club blood feeling to it. Um, but, you know, they had uh, lookalikes of the band, uh, in the maze. So it was really cool because the, the girls that they got looked a lot like the lead singer of the band. And that's the other cool thing is they didn't just say there was a rock band. They actually had a real punk band that they put together. And the girl that played the lead singer, uh, her name was Sylvia or Sylvie. Mm-hmm. She's from Orange County right here in California. And they, f- they found her somehow. She was in a band out here in California 
and they flew her out to Orlando or Tampa and she did the entire gig as a lead singer. And in the scare zone, my ex band that they created actually performed and they had an entire set where they wrote songs for the band and they were all, all the lyrics to the songs kind of went with the theme of the entire show. What a great idea. Yeah. And it's just a cool thing. So, uh, just a really, I don't know. It's just neat that the whole thing kind of permeates throughout the attraction and throughout the park and you see little bits. So how they do that is they had the scare zone where she was performing, you know, so it was like a, a punk scene kind of a thing. Then they had another scare zone with werewolves and the whole idea was her, this band of groupies was driving through the forest to get to the concert and the van broke down and they were attacked by werewolves. And so there's like, you know, there's like little hints of the theme throughout all the rest of the park, which is really, really cool. What a great idea. What a fun way to apply the Aristotelian unities. Yeah. I've never seen that done at a theme park before. Yeah, it's really neat. And yeah. they do that every year. So uh, last year, I think, was called Unearthed. And it was about this house that was supposedly buried on the property. And they dug it out. And crazy things were supposed to have happened. That's why they buried the house in the first place. The whole house was buried? Yeah, the whole house was buried. So, And they actually, when they built the haunt, it was down in a pit. So you went down into a pit, and then you went into a house. Wow. And once they opened the house up, it released stuff into the park. Um, and so it'd be really cool if Knott's did something like that. I know it'd be hard to theme that around Ghost Town. But, you know, they have... Uh, Tampa, they have, they do have scare zones that don't necessarily mesh exactly with the, with the thing, but they put enough stuff throughout the park that it kind of matches. And it'd be cool if they took, you know, the boardwalk and like Camp Snoopy and, and maybe like where the swamp used to be on that backside mm-hmm. and use that to kind of create an overall theme for the attraction. I mean, they kind of did it with the, with the witch and, and the tricksters. Um, but not to the same level mm-hmm. that they do at Bush Gardens. Sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, do you remember any of the, the individual mazes or attractions that you saw? Yeah. So there, the other cool thing is, is they do, Knott's has done this rarely on occasion, but they do sequel mazes. So they'll put a maze in one year. The next year, the maze doesn't just come back as that maze. It ends up being a sequel. And they even kind of tweak the name a little bit, and they'll redo the interior scenes and stuff. Some of it will be the same, but, you know, they update different parts of it. Like the uh, the C3, the variations on the carnivorous clowns yeah. out there on the boardwalk? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so... One of the sequels was Nightshade Toy Factory, which the first year was Nightshade Toy Factory, and then the second one was Nightshade Toy Factory Son of Nightshade. Um, so it's just the son of the serial killer living on in his dad's name and continuing to turn people into toys. It was very much like Toy, toy Factory at Scary Farm. Doll Factory? Doll Factory. Okay. Yeah, Doll Factory. Same idea. All right. Um... Then they had Delta Epsilon Delta Extreme Rush, which was like you were rushing at a, a s- sorority. Mm-hmm. That's the girls, right? 
Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> they tell me. Yeah. Um, and that's actually part, uh, into the theme, the main character from the band Sylvie is rushing in the sorority and you're joining her on this crazy trip through the sorority house. That's a haunted house in itself, I think. Yeah. Just, just any the, sorority. <laughs> just the crazy sorority <laughs> life. Again, um, I have no idea. And then they had uh, Trapped in the Walls, Ghost Tracers, which is like uh, you were joined a paranormal research team and went into a house to exercise demons that were hiding in the walls. Uh, and I know this one was really well done because they found interesting ways to make demons pop out of walls. Um, Do you remember they, any of the gags? One of them is they had like a, it was a hallway and it looked like it had the, the bottom was like the, what is it called? The wood? You know what like I'm talking about? Like the wainscoting? About? Yeah, the wainscoting. And then the top was um, wallpaper. Uh-huh. But it was actually like rubber. So the demons inside could push their hands and face into it and like lean towards you. And you just see the impressions of them and like they're coming out of the Ooh. wall. Really cool. That's like, a great idea. Yeah. That I was like that. Really, really cool. Um then they had Taste of Blood, A Different Vein, which was a vampire house. Which, <laughs> Shocking. You know, if you've been in a vampire house, you know what they're all about. Uh, and then they had Deconstruction, The Doctor is Out of Control, which is actually a sequel to the year before where it was called Reconstruction. Um, like plastic surgery gone awry yeah. and stuff? Okay. Yeah. So it was all like plastic surgery turning people into like weird mutants and things like that. That ties in a weird way into the the doll kind of thing, like turning one thing into another thing. They were very similar, which I thought was interesting that they did that. Like, they were two very similar mazes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the Nightshade one was the older one, and I believe this was the last year for it. So they may have just, like, as a fan service kind of thing, because it was a really popular maze with the fans. Mm-hmm. Left it and then and then added the new one, which kind of did the same thing, but would go on for a few more years. Um, trying to think of what else was cool. They have a show called I believe it's called Fiends. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, so they have a show called Fiends, and if you're into scantily scantily clad men and women dancing around that's basically all it is and the interesting thing is is we we did the um kind of like their pre-scare dinner it's like a, it's a buffet and where you where they set it up is the theater where they do fiends so you're basically forced to watch it while you eat <laughs> you're watching naked people while you're eating yeah, so I don't, I, last I heard they do still do this. So if you have younger kids and you want to do the pre-scare meal, just, you know, be aware or maybe plan your meal time when the show isn't going on. Yeah, that's, uh. Cause they do, they do, they have like hour slots or whatever. <laughs> Giggity. Um, I had to pick the earliest one, which happened to be when they did the fiend show. Because I had a really early time slot to do the alone attraction. Um, so I just I had to pick that. Otherwise, I'd miss 
my appointment at the alone maze. Um, have and, a banana hammock with your salad. Yeah. It's, it's close to like what Elvira is. Just not as good. Kind of like a review. Yeah. Just a song and dance. A bunch of pop music turned techno dubby, uh, and people dancing. Were they any good? Uh, yeah, <laughs> not really. Oh, all right. People love the show, though. Uh, there's a, a, a large fan base of, we'll say, women over the age of 30 oh, I'll that bet. extremely enjoy the show. I'll bet. Extremely enjoy it. Like Magic Mike yeah. kind of following? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. There were a few there that were getting quite uh, loud <laughs> when certain dancers would come on stage. <laughs> they had groupies. Yeah. See, that's did. the life. But that was the cool thing, too, was the, the band ended up, like, the songs were really good. And I'm pretty sure you could probably find them on YouTube or something, because I think they released the album. You could buy it. That's cool. Um, They ended up with groupies that, would, you know, they had the annual pass program, so people would come back every night just to watch them perform. Oh, of course. And then they'd hang out in the park waiting for the next set because they did like three or four sets a night and each one they did different songs. So did anything ever come of that group? Like did they ever make any music outside of the event? No, it was just the IP owned by Tampa by Hello Screams and they just uh, put the band together to do the show and then that's it. I don't know what happened to the girl that played Sylvie because I know she was in a band prior so maybe she got some notoriety from it and maybe her band, you know, did some stuff. But I don't know. I, I don't know. I have to research that. I wonder if any of our fans would know. Maybe. That'd be a fun info call. If anybody knows yeah. what happened to that gal, let us know. I think that'd be a really fun. Yeah, and I'll try to find a video of maybe their performance at one of their performances and we'll put it on the show notes. I'd on love the blog to see it. So it sounds really cool. It. Yeah. Is re- they were really good. I watched one show, and I was pretty impressed. You could tell that they were, everybody they picked was well rehearsed and performing. Um, yeah, so it was a good band. I like watching bands that are created, that are hand picked, that they didn't organically form. They were like, "You play the drums, you play the bass," and it comes together, and it actually jives into a really cool band. Yeah, I think that's kind of serendipitous how that works. Because I mean, it it just seems so hard to manufacture that organic kind of feel. Mm -hmm. But if they were able to pull that off, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was really cool. So are you going to talk about the alone maze or are you going to save that as like the fiesta resistance? Uh, No, we could talk about it. I want to hear about it. So I don't know if anybody's really talked about this maze. I know there were some write-ups you can find online that were like spoiler-free and then I think there's maybe a couple spoiler ones. Does it um, still operate? No, they only did it for two years. Okay, so you can talk about it and like spoiler all over the place because like it's not going to kill it for anyone, right? Yeah, because okay. they did something different the third year and then I think they just stopped doing it. You said this was 2010? Yeah, so 2010 and 2011 they did the Alone Maze. Okay. And then 2012 they did a different thing. And funny enough, 2011 or 2012 was when Knots had their trap maze. Trapped maze. Hmm. Yeah. 
Odd coincidence. Well, there was the catalyst that finally let Knotts do the trap maze. Because I know that Daniel Miller, for a long time, was pushing it for several years. Mm-hmm. And then Bush Gardens did it. And I think that's kind of what proved to Cedar Fair that it could be viable. So was the concern that it just wasn't enough people going through per hour? Like they the didn't think those? that people would want to pay the admission price and then pay an additional $40 to do another maze. So not Cedar Fair, you know, they had, they didn't want to spend a ton of money into this and then have nobody go like, I'm not going to pay another $40. Yeah. You know, well, that's a really like, good it's point. expensive. Yeah. You know, and, and the and one, it's not like you can alone, share the cost. Yeah. The alone maze was expensive too. I'm trying to think. I think it could have, I think it was like 50 bucks. That's hmm. a lot. I can remember. So I paid, I want to say $60 to get in and then 40 or $50 to do the alone maze. But when you hear about everything that you have to go through and then everything that they do for your experience, it kind of makes sense that they would charge as much as they did. Yeah. I mean, but go paying it, it kind of hurt because I was like, I don't even know. Like no one had done something like no theme park had done this before. They're the first people to do this. And the difference is, is the alone maze is designed for you to go 100% alone, whereas Trapped was designed for four people. Oh, and you could split the cost, right? Or was it $40? No, it was $40 for four people. So everybody paid 10 bucks, basically. The alone maze, you were literally, you went through alone. Mm -hmm. You had the choice of bringing one friend if you wanted to. But you didn't get the prize at the end if two people win. And the prize is a really cool t-shirt, <laughs> which is cool. I mean, I was like, I was going to planning on buying a t-shirt anyway. Mm-hmm. So the way that I made the money sound okay was I was just like, well, I was going to buy a souvenir t-shirt anyway. So the t-shirt had been like 25, 30 bucks. So I'm paying $20 for the maze. I'm getting a $30 t-shirt. There you go. But you only get the t-shirt if you make it all the way through and don't chicken out. So you're kind of betting on making it through. So that alone is really interesting that you have to go all the way through and you can't chicken out. The fact that there's something in there that would make somebody want to chicken out. I mean, that alone would be a draw to some fans to risk that $50 to go in just for the bragging rights yeah. of being able to pull through it. Or even just the curiosity to see what do they think will make people tap out. From what I understand, because I talked to the guy, um, who was he? I think he was like the talent manager or something after I went through it. And he said they had about a 60% failure rate. Wow. How far along in the maze did people usually? I don't know. I didn't ask. I, it, it's hard to think of a spot. You know, because, I mean, let's face it, I've been doing haunts forever, so I kind of know. So for me, it was more about the experience and all the neat things that they did inside and really enjoying the acting and stuff, because they had amazing actors. Um, Yeah, but it's hard for me to point out a spot, like a spot where someone would always just be like, I'm done. I can't do it. Was, have you ever been through 17th door? No. Have you heard about the stuff inside? Yes. 
Is there any comparison to, like, I know that that one's designed where you can tap out if you have to. Mm-hmm. Is Was there anything in common between those two events? No. So different gags, different Yeah, theirs situations. is like, kind of like mini, I don't want to say torture, but mini, <laughs> many things that, that you have to withstand for a certain amount of time before the, you can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, the alone maze was very theatrical and ba- okay, well, let's just start all the way back at okay. the beginning. So at home, when I bought the tickets, you clicked on, I want to buy an alone ticket. And it wasn't as simple as just paying for it. So after you said, I want to buy an alone ticket, you then had to go through and fill out, um, Oh, God, I don't even know how many questions. Maybe like 60, 70 questions. Wow. And they they wanted to know all kinds of strange stuff. So, like, just like the most random weird stuff. And that kind of was like the first thing where, like, this is something really different. Because why do they need to know all this information? You know, it's like, you know, all this stuff. And then there's, like, obviously, like, a waiver attached that says, like, you know, if anything happens, we're not liable, blah, 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 blah. Did they say what what could happen? Uh, like if you have a heart attack, if you go into yeah, a it was all PTSD kinds of stuff. episode? Yeah, or? it was all kinds of stuff. Oh, like a whole page of just like stuff. Like if you had something horrible happen in your childhood and you were triggered, like it's not their fault that you now need six weeks of psychotherapy. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Okay. All right. So then you fill that out. You get your ticket. Everything's cool. So when you show up, you show up to, I guess, it's hard. Okay, so Bush Gardens Tampa is like a zoo, basically. It's like a zoo meets Six Flags Magic Mountain. So it's all this jungle, and they have amazing theming, um, and then they have lots of cool roller coasters, which we went to the park during the day, too. It's absolutely amazing, but it is gigantic. Mm-hmm. The park is huge, so it takes... You're exhausted by the end of the day walking around that place. Um, but the alone maze took place. It was just like this nondescript gate area. Like it's like a fence that looks like you're just going into Jurassic Park or something, you know, and there's like mm-hmm. a little door into the gate and you couldn't see anything because it was just all jungle. And so you show up and right in front of the door at the gate was a, was somebody that would sign you in. Mm-hmm. And you basically have to sign your name in. And then um, the thing is, is they know everything about you. So, so they know when you check in and then they call, they call into the thing. And the storyline is basically like this um, explorer guy named Alexander Daedalus. He, uh, he's like a collector of artifacts so he goes all around the world collecting these weird like occult artifacts and and just random random things like indiana jones yeah and so all you know is you have this you get like a letter kind of inviting you to tour his facility where he holds all of these artifacts so that's all you know about going in is that you're going to take a tour of this place where he holds all his artifacts. So you're thinking like a museum or something like that. The first thing I pictured was Ace Ventura when nature calls. 
when he goes into the room with all of the heads mounted on the wall. For some reason, I know that's not artifacts, but that's what I thought of. Anyway, <laughs> continue. Um, so, so they sign you in, they call, they call ahead to the guy and ask if, if he's ready for you to take your tour. And then when, without any instruction, when it's time to go, they just point you towards the door and you're on your own. At that point, you are on your own. No one is going to help you. No one's going to tell you what to do. And you are just, there's a dark path, completely not lit. So you're going through the jungle in the dark. There's like a, a dirt path that just goes through the bushes. And you're just walking down this dark ass path. And as soon as you step onto it, you realize how dark it is because, you know, they have like the special effect lighting and stuff and like the scare zone. But once you cross that gate, it's just dark. And that's when you kind of start thinking like, all right, this is kind of scary. <laughs> yeah, because, like, what if you walk into some animal's paddock? That's what I was thinking. Like- I'm like, <laughs> I know that the tigers are kind of over here somewhere. I'm like, are they just, like, letting me into, like, the tigers? And like- <laughs> You just, like, I envision a raptor just, like, waiting. <laughs> That's exactly what's going through your head. So you're walking down this path, and you're like, at any second, a gorilla or a tiger, or an elephant that can become stampeding through this way. A poisonous snake that's not even supposed to be there. Yeah, you don't know. Okay. Um, so you walk this path, and it actually ended up not being terribly long, but it felt like a mile. I'll bet. Um, and nothing happened, which made it even worse. <laughs> like, it was literally, like, all build up and nothing. Um, and then you end up coming up to this warehouse, this big warehouse, and I don't know what it's used for during normal operation, but, you know, you just pop out. It's like, it's like um in Jurassic Park when they've got to turn the energy on mm-hmm. and they're going down that path and the raptors are chasing them and then all of a sudden there's just like a building. Yeah. That's exactly what it was like. <laughs> um, and then in, in front of the building is just a table with a chair and a tape recorder on it. And so you just sit down and you hit play on the recorder and it's the explorer guy basically welcoming you to his factory where he collects all these artifacts and you get a tour it. And he, and he basically tells you like, don't touch anything. Um, because they're all priceless artifacts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the door opens. Wait, and, question. Yeah. Is the recording personalized? It was personalized. So they took that information, like, basically they know who you are. So. Yeah. So it's like they have your name and everything. So each one was personalized. As far as I know, each one was personalized. I don't know. If, I think I went, like, the first night or the first weekend. I could see that getting really crazy to do every single night because I don't yeah. know how many people they did. Um, but, yeah, I, I do remember it being personalized. And so it was like. Hi, Casey. Welcome to my thing, you know. It was really cool. That is so cool. Um, and that was the whole point of this was just to make an attraction that was very personalized. Yeah. So that's why they needed all that information from you was just to be able to make it, you know, as personal to you as possible. And they use all that information inside. Um, so once the door opens, you're, you go inside and there's like a couple little hallways, not much goes on, and you get to an elevator, 
Um, and the elevator door opens and there's a bellhop kind of looking guy, but his eyes have been gouged out. So he just has like black holes where his eyes were and they had really good makeup and he looked kind of like the tower of terror style, um, outfit on. And then, so you go down the elevator, which is like not a real elevator, but it was a really cool fake elevator. Better than most you see at haunted attractions. Cool. Um, and then when you get out of the elevator, you went out a different door. Do you um, ever find out why the guy's eyes are gouged out? No. It's just a, this is my job now. Yeah. Okay. Um, but what ends up becoming clear as you go through is he doesn't just collect artifacts. He collects people. And that's why you're there. He's, Brought you there to collect you. you. And so you're supposed to eventually be part of his collection. That means you're special. Yeah. So everybody who goes through is special. Um, A little snowflake. (laughs) (laughs) So the next, um, they have this really cool effect, which I've always wanted to duplicate um, in a haunted attraction because it's so cool. But it's definitely something that has to do with really small groups or single people. They had a stretching hallway. So, like, the hallway, it started out, let's say, it's 10 feet long, right? And there's a door at the end that you're supposed to go through. And the bellhop just tells you, like, go through that door. As you start walking towards it, the door starts moving away from you at the exact same pace that you're walking. So the door ends up stretching to, say, like, 30 feet long. And then so so you're, like, going, and the door keeps moving away from you. And then when it finally... You start catching up to it, a character like bursts through the door <laughs> and scares the shit out of you. Um, and then that's when you actually get into the, the, the warehouse proper. Okay. Um, and this is a big, like I said, it's a pretty big warehouse. I, don't know, I can't even, maybe 20 feet high ceiling, like big. It's pretty big. And, it was like floor to ceiling shelves that you're walking through and they are just filled with props. Oh, that's so And cool. some of the props are alive, <gasps> which is really cool. And stuff that you wouldn't even notice, you know, so it's not like a suit of armor because that'd be obvious, right? But next to the suit of armor, maybe there's something totally innocuous and that's the thing that would scare you. So they're doing really cool stuff, like putting kind of things that are like, oh, that's going to be a person, but it's not. And the thing is actually on the other side and it's something totally stupid, you know. <laughs> what kind of things were alive? I can't remember. It was so long ago. But there was like, I do remember something like that, like a suit of armor on one side. And then the scare actually came from the other side. And it was just like an actor that was puppeteering something that didn't look like it it could move kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did a lot of stuff like that. So you're like going through these things. But you can do that and, when there's only one, yeah. one guest. Yeah. And the whole time you're going through, you're kind of being guided. So like the character that came to the door and scared you brings you through a certain portion is having a dialogue with you the entire time. And that character's dialogue is all personalized to you so everything that she's talking about or um maybe even things that she might say 
that would scare you is all information that they got off of the, off of the, um, thing that you filled out. So if you said that I really hate spiders, they may infer that there's a lot of spiders around. So watch out when you're going around the corners or whatever, because there might be a spider web or something like they'll do things like that. You know, just because they know what you're scared of, they know what makes you laugh, they know, and so they play off of everything that they know about you. That's just cruel. And how those characters, I mean, hats off to the actors because they had to adapt their, you know, I'm sure they had like a base story that they had to explain, like some kind of base script, Mm -hmm. but then they basically had to ad-lib stuff for every single person that went through, they had to change a little bit, uh, which is just mind-blowing how they could do that. That's brilliant. And it was so well done, you know. Like each one of them is like back in their own little corner looking at the piece of paper that's relative to you going, okay, this is this guy. He's afraid of spiders. He, you know, I don't know, lost his dog when he was six and, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. He's creeped out by old men. You know, whatever the list of things is yeah. that they get to <laughs> – actually put those into yeah, their story. Add it into the story somehow. That is so great. What a neat opportunity to flex new muscles as an actor. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, improv. But at the same time, you're bound by some pretty strict rules. You have yeah, because the there story. is a real story going along and the story builds as it goes. So that there's a lot of plot points that they have to hit and make you understand on top of all the other things that they're talking about. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, um, that's cool. I'm trying to remember all the stuff that happened. So there, so you went through that section, and then there was this other really cool gag eventually where you basically, the I think it was the first person you met leaves you. She sends you through a door, and there's just a hallway that goes down. There's another door, and she just tells you, go through that door. And the continue. So you're like, okay. So she slams the door behind you. You walk over to the other door, which is like a 20 foot long hallway, maybe. And you open it and there's just a brick wall behind it. <laughs> and once I saw that, I just knew I was fucked because I was like, there's somebody behind me. Yeah. You know, like right away, you're just like, there's somebody behind me. And, um, sure enough, you turn around, there's somebody behind you and they tell you, what the hell are you doing in here? Go back the other way. So you go to go back out the other door, only this time you open it and you're in a completely different place. Brilliant. Which is like, it's so well done. You know, it's just like one of those pie rooms that slide over. Yeah. But the setup and the gag was so well done. That Did you even seamless. know? I didn't anything? even know. And that's something that I was looking for going through. Like I wanted to really check out the gags. And it was so seamless and so well done that I didn't even notice it. Like I was actually surprised when it opened to another place because I didn't, I didn't expect it at all. Wow. And usually you can tell. Yeah. But they must have had the the timing down so well that they made sure you're far enough down the hallway that when they slid it, you didn't notice the pivot. You know, they had to have it down really well. I don't know how many backstage hands maybe they had. They had to have a ton. I have to I'm imagine assuming. there's just it's like crawling with people. There's probably more backstage hands than there were talent in the maze, I would think. Oh, yeah. I imagine like kind of like they're puppeteering the whole maze, mm-hmm. you know, like four or five stage hands yeah. to every actor that you see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was crazy. Uh, and then he went through 
a section with a bunch of crazy people. It was really dark. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Crazy people. Yeah, they were like other people that had been collected. Oh. But they were a little insane from being in there for so long. Well, sure. And they were in the dark. Like, it was really, really dark. And it was like those slatted walls. They could, like, talk to you through the walls. And then you'd, like, go in and out of the rooms and stuff. So that's where they're kept? Yeah. They're like, because they're bad, bad people or something. And so they're being punished. So that's where they're, they're kind of like in the hole. Oh. You know. Okay. Um, and then eventually you meet the explorers, in quotations, favorite collection. And it's this absolutely insane girl. She played the part so well. <laughs> like, just off her rocker insane. And she was in this room with the, the explorer's favorite possession. And it was like this vase that looked like it was from like ancient Greece. And it was like really awesome looking. And how they pulled this gag off, I'll never understand. Because I, it's, so what happens, I have to tell you what happens and I'll tell you why I can't understand it. Um, she's talking to you and she's telling you how precious this priceless artifact is and all this stuff. And it has, um, it's like the, the Minotaur's maze, right? So they have like a picture of the Minotaur and it has like all these cool maze designs on it. It looks really old. And she picks it up and then she's like, do you want to touch it? Have you ever touched something that's priceless? You know? And then you're just like, no, I don't want to touch it. And she's like, touch it. And you're like, no, I don't want to touch it. And she's like, touch it. Like she starts yelling and screaming well, at you. Well, the guy said not to touch anything. Yeah. So that's why you're like, I don't want to touch anything. And so she's like screaming at the top of her lungs at you to touch it. And then finally you're just like, fine, I'll touch it. And then you like go to touch it and she shatters it on the ground. <gasps> oh now, my gosh. I don't know how they reset that. I can't assume that they have, what, like a thousand of these vases backstage and they just replace it. Why not? Like, how big was it? It was a big vase. Like it, and it was amazingly weathered and beautiful. Like I cannot imagine they had a single, a, a different vase for every single guest that went through. Maybe like, it's a different artifact each time. Maybe, but the artifact makes sense to the finale. So that's why I think that it's real. Like, well, the, that 50 bucks had to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> they probably lost money then if that's the case, because just the time and effort that went into making just one of those. I can't even think, like, my only think it, thought is it must go back together somehow. But it's completely seamless. Like, when you see it, it looks like a perfect mate, like a perfect, you know, vase. Though my only thought was, is maybe, like, how I said I had the Minotaur maze, like, the black lines. Mm -hmm. Maybe those black lines hid the seams, and it just, like, pops back together somehow. What did it, did you notice what it looked like when it hit the ground? It looked shattered. It looked like a vase broke. In like big chunks or like lot, like little chunks and big chunks or? All of it. Like it just looked like someone shattered a vase. I, I, it, I don't know. What was the lighting like in there? Uh, it wasn't that dark, but you just come from like a really dark room. So your eyes were well adjusted. 
Because um, I'm wondering if it really would take that long to make a, a streamline a whole bunch of those vases. And I don't know. I was. It reminds me of. I went to a Lutheran high school. I went uh-huh. to Lutheran high school, and um, we had some speakers in our theology class where part of their story was they took cups and would throw it out to the ground, and they had like however many periods are in the day. So I think there was eight. They had eight different cups. Yeah, and it was the same thing. Just they had eight cups, but then they also had eight other cups that were glued together. So I mean. That's not necessarily connected. It just reminded me of that. But it, you know, they made eight different ones and that wasn't even, they didn't have to decorate them or anything. But knowing the amount of work that goes into props and things like that at a haunted attraction and something like this, which is a world first and it's personalized and it's, it's obviously something that's very special in the industry. It doesn't seem too far fetched to me that they would actually make a unique vase, a unique prop to be destroyed for every person that goes in. I in just, that case, that's the prop I would have wanted if I made it all the way through. You would have wanted the I would have taken that over the shirt. Oh, hell yeah. That would look great up next to your, your idol. Yeah. You should make one. That'd be cool, yeah. Let's make one. Um. So, yeah. So, moving on from there... Crazy lady drops the vase. Then what happens? I don't remember a whole lot because then two really big dudes come in um, and they manhandle you out of the room. And so basically they're taking you to meet the explorer guy because you broke the rules and touched a vase. Even though you never actually touched it, she blamed you. So you go to touch it and she drops it before you can touch it? Yeah. So according to them, you touched it and broke it. Yeah, well, because she says you broke it. She blames you. And then okay, you're... Not bar. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's That's a wacky, brilliant. wacky maze. It's totally wacky. Okay. Um, so eventually you're forced to sit on this bench and I can't remember if you're chained down... Or I think there is some kind of, some kind of. Like restraint? Restraint. I can't remember what it is. But then the explorer guy comes in. He's like up on like a judge's podium sort of a thing. He's looking down on you. (laughs) And he tells you what an asshole you are. He invited you here out of the goodness of his heart. And you broke his precious vase. And now you have to meet the protector, which is the Minotaur. And okay. um, a dude comes out, massive dude. Like, the guy had to be over six feet tall. And then on top of that, he had the Minotaur's head on. So it was like eight feet tall guy, maybe wow. more. And just like ripped, dude. He was like bodybuilder status. And the, I don't know. It's obviously some sort of mask or, like, propped head, Mm. like a prop head. But it was so well integrated because he had, like, chest hair that looked like it was, like, prosthetically glued on that, like, kind of faded out to, like, his normal chest. Whoa. So it just, like, seamlessly fit in, like, really well. 
And the Minotaur comes out and, and chases you out of the building. Now, when I did it, you had to get down on all fours and beg for forgiveness. And then, and then, uh, you had to crawl out through like a ventilation shaft Ooh. kind of a thing. Okay. And then eventually you're like crawling through this tunnel, which felt like forever. And then you pop out in the jungle and then there's another path that leads back out to where you came in. So you escape? Yeah. So okay. you end up escaping. Um, I know the next year, cause our friend Ted went, he said the same, he said it was close to the same experience that I had, like a few little tweaks. Um, but at the very end, instead of crawling through the tunnel, they had you go into like this dark area, like a dark hole, basically. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being a slide and you ended up sliding out <laughs> of the building. That sounds fun. Yeah. But I, yeah, that was like the major difference between the two years. Um, but yeah, overall, it was an amazing, I'm glad I spent the money to do it. You How know. long did it take you to go through? It ends up being about a 45-minute experience. That's a good long time. Yeah, definitely worth the money that was spent to do it. It You're in there a long time. So there's nothing in there, like, through the experience that you had, Do you, what do you think would have made people, like, can you imagine what would have made someone tap out? Maybe the crazy girl. She was pretty intense. Yeah? Yeah. Not knowing if you were supposed to touch the thing or resist. Just be like, I give up. Yeah. I think some people would just find that pretty intense and then not wanting to touch it. Maybe they would just give up instead of touching it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the alone experience. That's really cool. Yeah. So you made it out alive. You go back out. Do you go? When you exit, are you back where you started, or are you in a different place? You go back out the same way you started. Okay. And then they just said, congratulations, here's a t-shirt? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And that was it. Well, congratulations. I know. That's <laughs> pretty awesome. cool. I'm glad I did it. Um, I wish I would have done Trapped, but after reviews of the first year, I knew there were just some things that I don't find interesting in a haunted attraction like eating bugs yeah like eating bugs being forced to drink disgusting things like to me that's more that doesn't it's it's more of a gross out than a scary thing yeah that doesn't seem very haunted housey to me that's more like dare like i dare you which is the same thing with 17th door which is why i haven't done that yet because to me it's more it's more you know how far can we push you in an uncomfortable, I don't know, like, you know, it's just not a haunted house, I guess, to me. I think that people have different definitions of what they find fun and thrilling. And it's okay if fun and thrilling for you is that kind of thing. Yep. You know, it's not mine. Not mine. (laughs) But it doesn't mean that it's bad or wrong. Yeah. Or that we're bad or wrong. It's just not for us. That's all. I would like to see Knots take on something much more akin to what they did with Alone. Because I think Knots could do something really cool. Um, and they've proven that they can do the upcharge. But much more theatrical, you know, kind of a, a, an attraction. From what I understand right now, it's a very 
it's a battle between the old school and the new school. There are some who recognize potential in venues and approaches to execution. And there are some that are still, you know, this is what has worked. It's going to work in the future. Let's continue to do it this way. And from what I've heard, it's, it's a bit of a, of a struggle back and forth trying to get new ideas greenlit for, you know, yeah. for debut into the park. So well, it mean, would be great, but I think there's room for both. I loved uh, Red Barn, which is very old school, huh? Like it very was. Old it was very contained, and n- not to go into a, a haunt review again, but yeah, that was a really, mm. a really well buttoned up type of maze. You know, yeah. it's just like you go in, here's the theme, some scary stuff happens, and then you leave. Like yep. it's very, but at the same time, I feel like, and that was. Red Barn was, this was its first year, right? Yeah. 2016. But then you look at in, uh, Infected, which is a 180 from the typical thing that you go in and here's your theme and you're kind of a passive observer. Or that one, you're thrown headlong into the yeah. fray. And pretty, you know, you're not responsible for your own fate, but you're. it's made to kind of seem like you are. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have a control over the outcome. And that's a completely different and new thing so i mean the fact that that even happened is a good sign maybe they're open to some some new and fun experiences i mean it's not like there's strangers to doing things that are new like they did have the you know uh what's it called trapped they had that experience you know they had as brief as it was the um the vr experience which i hope that they can do something with again well i guess that's something we're gonna add to the show news they're uh putting in the VR, untethered VR experience in Knots this summer. For uh, what's the attraction? They haven't said. There was a leak. I heard, who was it that leaked it by accident? Oh, it was during the Cedar Fair financial call. Like, you know, they do the, to their investors. You can, like, dial oh, in yeah. if you have stock in Cedar Fair. Sure. And they talk about how awesome their parks are and to put buy more stock and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. One of the things that they promoted was the VR experience coming to Knott's, and it was called something like Ghost Town VR or something. So huh. it'll be interesting to find out what it is. I'll, I'm going to pay for it to try it out. Oh, That's absolutely. Um, whenever they roll it out. But I feel like we owe it to the podcast. I don't know if it's going to be a contained thing like their laser tag thing was. Yeah. Or if you're just going to be let loose into Ghost Town Park, like the part of Ghost Town. And, that seems dangerous. VR goggles <laughs> with other guests running around. I don't yeah. know. Hmm. We'll find out. Untethered. Untethered, yeah. So you'll be able to walk around and explore. But they you would I mean, you have to be connected in some way no. to get the content. No, it's all wireless. But I mean, still connected wirelessly. Yeah. So... Like, how connected could you be walking around the entire span of Ghost Town? I mean, would they have... They'd have to have little... The like little... RF um, microwave transmitters that transmit the, the data for the video feed. Yeah. Like, set up on the roofs or something all over. And be quite an infrastructure to build just for yeah that. But what I've seen done in the past before is they have basically, like, a big room. Like, let's say one of the warehouses they use for a scary farm Mm -hmm. and they build out walls and everything so it kind of looks like a maze for they go through for scary farm 
And then they take that information of where all the walls are and they map it into the VR experience. Mm -hmm. So as you're going through, it may just be a blank black wall in real life, but in VR, you're seeing like a textured environment. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that's what they've been working on in their overnights. Maybe. Ooh, I hope so. That'd be a really cool thing. Yeah, it'll be really cool to find out what it's all about. But it's VR. That means that a huge chunk of their audience can't experience it because you can't, you would have to be 12 or what's the age they uh, recommend for the VR? The recommended age is 13 and up. I mean, it's kind of a bummer that, you know. But it depends. Well, I know Six Flags when they do, when they had the VR, I don't know if they still have it on Revolution, but all the Six Flags parks, they did VR Roller coaster experiences, and oh, they right. put a 13 and over okay. age requirement. So you just don't wear the headset or don't yeah. whatever. I guess that's a thing. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of grown-ups who are going to think that's pretty cool. Yeah. So there is there is an audience, but it's too bad that they can't do something like that for the youngsters. They do. They have laser tag. I didn't know Knott's had laser tag. Yeah, these where? Things, it was under um under where Iron Reef is. Part of the arcade was turned into a laser tag arena. It's was it like that years. when we went last? I don't know if it's still there. Oh. They might have taken it out, but it was there from like maybe like 99 to like 2015, oh, 14. Lord. I never go in the arcade time. though. I there's no need to But go it was on the arcade. outside. Like the queue line was under, under, the, like where the dinosaur queue line was on the lower level. It sounds really familiar. Yeah. But I never went in there or went by there. Well, anything else going on? Um, I'm working on a project. I don't know if I talked about it last time. We did. I think yeah. I did a little bit. So that project is. I don't think that's even been announced. I think that's still in its baby stages as well. Yep. But I've been putting a lot of effort into getting that ready. And I am super excited for it. I cannot wait for this thing to to be able to finally talk about it because it's going to be really, really cool. But it's right up my alley. If you've heard the podcast from the beginning, you can kind of guess maybe what my involvement will be. Maybe. I can give a hint. It has nothing to do with sliding. That's, yeah. That's, That's a pretty good hint. So I'm involved heavily and it has nothing to do with sliding. So chew on that and try to figure out what it is. But I am very, very excited about it. And I think it's going to open a lot of doors for all parties involved for this upcoming project. And it's going to be pretty sweet. Um, Huntington Haunt is still just kind of cruising. Not much really to report on that front. No. We got the plans we had... approved. Our, the powers that be that control all such things had to have a meeting. Um, so I don't know if it's, if it happened or if, uh, if they had a reschedule or whatnot, but I haven't heard anything about what happened at that meeting. Um, so probably not. Yeah. yeah Cause they would have told you. Usually I would have found out pretty quick. Yeah. Um, it's so just a long process when you deal with a lot of different entities. Yeah, especially when it has to do with finances. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like everybody has a say. But we we bought a couple of props. I think we did talk about that yeah, last time where we went that. over to Sinister Point's awesome 
epic sale that they have every now and then. Yeah. We got some good stuff that I really want to decorate our house with, but I can't because, you know, they kind of belong to whatever. Um, anything else? I think that's it. I think we're good. Wow. All right. Yeah, look at us. Look at us being all on top of things. I know. Cool beans. Well, Hi. since I never remember what our social media outlets are, why don't you handle that part? Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Tales from the Fog. You can follow us on Facebook at Tales from the Fog. You can follow me on YouTube. Uh, you can just search for Casey Nyhart. Uh, you can follow Veronica on Instagram at V's Voices. Veronica Voices. Veronica Voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it. You can follow the... So, I don't know if it's launched yet, but the Decay Brigade is going to have a new Facebook page. Um, the one that's currently on there, no one's ever posted on it, and no one knows who has the information to log into it it's a ghost it exists and no one knows where it came from or who has the credentials to access it be looking for us to be promoting the new decay brigade facebook page uh we're going to be starting myself and double d are going to be in charge of the youtube page once we get that up Um, i cannot wait to talk to him for that because we have a lot of cool stuff in for that so Mm -hmm. That's all coming. Be looking for that. Um, other than that, our blog is at talesfromthefog.weebly.com. But we're going to post the show notes and everything on the blog. And if you follow us on Facebook, the link to the blog will be the, the link that goes up for the, for this episode. So just look for that. We always pin the newest episode to the top of the Facebook page. So it'll be the first thing you see. Um, and I think that's it. Cool. Yeah. Have a good night, everybody. And until next time, we'll see you in the fog. Bye guys. Bye.